Friday, everyone. This is episode number 177 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. I hope you all enjoyed your Thanksgiving for those that celebrate and that you got time with your loved ones, you ate some good food. I actually had to cook for Thanksgiving for the first time in my 47 years on this earth because usually my mom and my brother-in-law do all the cooking. Now, mind you, I spent 20 years in the restaurant industry. Your boy can throw down in the kitchen, but I just never had to. So yesterday, my oldest daughter and I, we, we knocked it out. We had the sweet potatoes. We had the turkey. We had the ham. Made the homemade ham glaze and the turkey. We had it. I said tur- turkey twice. My bad. But we had it all laid out, and it was great. The kids said it was the best ever, so that's all that matters. All right, so if you are new to the show and you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channels. I'm trying to build up the audience over there. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share. And if you're joining me from the podcast platforms, can you hook, hook your man up with a review? You know, if you get lots of views, but nobody wants to review if you keep watching this for a reason. So let people know what that reason is. And if you don't know who I am, what I do, or what I stand for, here's an introduction. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. Every time I watch that, it reminds me how much I miss speaking on stages. So I've been rocking the virtual game for the last year and a half, you know, like like every other speaker had to do. But there's nothing like being in a room with hundreds, if not thousands of people and just feeling that energy. There's nothing like it if you're a speaker, if you're an in- introvert and you don't like to speak, that probably doesn't do it for you. But for us extroverted people, that's such an amazing, amazing feeling. So for today's teachable moment, I need you to stop complicating your life. So using fitness as an example, but you can use this example with any industry and any facet of life is we got to stop complicating things. Like people come into the gym and be like, oh, I have to drink half my body weight in ounces of water. Like, oh my God, like, how do you do that? Like you get one of these. See, this is a 50 ounce bottle. You open it, you put it to your mouth and then you drink. And then you can repeat that until it's gone. It's that simple. Don't overcomplicate it. You don't have to add strawberries to it. You don't have to add lemons and little mint leaves. You know, you're trying to trying to doctor it up. Just do what's necessary. It's it really is that simple. And then people who yo-yo with their dieting, you know, we're in the time of year now where people fall off track and blame the holidays and blame family. And you know, no one's sitting you down and shoving food down your throat. You're gonna realize it's a choice. It's a choice that you're making. Said all the stuff I mentioned that. I cooked yesterday. I had some, 
but I had a manageable portion. I had a protein shake in the morning. I had that. I had plenty of water. And then I had just vegetables in the afternoon. I mean, I'm sorry, in the evening. And then same thing today. I just ate, ate now all protein and veggies. So it balances out, you know? And why? Because what I want more is more important than what I want in that moment. You know, you don't think you, you don't think I could have took down a third of that that big macaroni and cheese platter? You're darn right I could have. But I look at the consequence of that. And if you're not happy, if you're unfulfilled in your current endeavors, you can really just take the first step and then all kinds of doors will open. So again, this is 177 episodes. I think the first eight or so I didn't have any guests. So there's 169 episodes of guests who got fed up with where they were. They took the first steps to make their lives better. And now they're dedicated to helping other people better their lives. So if you got an idea, something that you want to do, just take the first step. And if you don't know how to do it, hire a coach and they'll help you take that first step. Because you guys know when I started my gym, I had no savings. I had bad, bad credit. But you know what I did have? I had a knack for getting through to people and helping people see things that they couldn't see within themselves. So I stepped into that. I took the first step and then doors open, doors open. And here we are. And then same thing with the podcast. I didn't know, know what to do. I don't have a journalism background. I don't know how to edit, which is why I do live because I ain't got time for editing. But you just start with where you are. Like I said, and now I do three shows a week. I'm booking into mid-April and we're, we just hit our 30th country that this is being seen in. And it's just about taking that first step. So I know this is a little longer for today's teachable moment, but damn it, it was powerful. All right. So now let's get to my guest. We got to be talking about some good stuff today. So who is my guest? So she's a native and resident of the Oak Cliff area of Dallas, Texas. I've been to Dallas twice. Nice place. Both times in the winter. Very cool. And she opened Epiphany Lane Counseling in 2018 in honor of her mother, Clara a career educator and all-around amazing human. On Epiphany Lane, LLC was founded in 2020 to create new ways to serve people and their purpose. And that's what I do, too, just in a different lane. So we're going to have a great conversation. So welcome, Tiffany, to the show. Hello, hello. How are you, Robert? I am well. How are you? I'm good. I'm still sleepy, but I am glad that I got some rest yesterday. Nice. Love it. Love it. So my first Dallas experience, this was in 2000, I believe. Okay. So about 21 years ago, I was a kitchen manager for TGI Fridays and inside Arlington Stadium was Mm -hmm. a TGI Fridays, like built into the stadium. Uh And so when we went down for our management workshop, part of it was we we got to tour the stadium and tour tour that restaurant. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a really really amazing experience. Like Man, I can't so I much can't wait to see the Dallas the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Can't wait wait to check that one out. Oh yeah, it's a, it's great. If you can get a tour, I recommend it. I really enjoyed it the the time I was able to do that with a with a job at, at the time. So 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 I make up tours my own kind of way. So I do I do Spartan races. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, so. You just wander because that's what I do. I was like, well, you know, other people did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like my daughter and I, we just did two the, the past two weekends. We did one up at Fenway Park in Boston. Nice. And then, then we did one at City Field where the New York Mets play in New York. Yeah, so like, awesome. like I get I get my, my tour that way. That's dope. So, so they, they do one down there at Jer- Jerry World too. I just haven't been to that one yet. <laughs> yes, that's dope. Well, hopefully you get to and experience 
the great, great pride we have down here in Texas. Absolutely. I say that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're, you're originally from that area? Yes. Like I said, born and raised Oak Cliff is a uh, neighborhood. It's one of the biggest. It's the most diverse, I would say. And uh, I was able to live in Houston for college and then uh, New York for graduate school. But okay. I'm a Texas girl. And plus, that's what my license is. So that's where the money is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the differences between living in Texas and living in New York? Well, of course, the weather, but uh, I wasn't too shocked, but we did have Snowmageddon and Snowpocalypse the two winters I was there, oh, back okay. in 2013, 2014. Oh, so yeah, I was like, okay, you need to make sure I never come back to New York. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> um, but I, I just love the freedom of public transportation and just a city that never sleeps. You know, this is the South, so about 2 a.m., they're like, go home. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of here. Um, and then the trains have cloth seats, which if you've ever ridden on a, you know, it's disturbing. It really is. Yeah. It's like, why would I sit there? That's fabric. There's, you know, I love all people, but I don't want their DNA on me. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I, I do miss just being able to get on the train and go. You know, I, I love having a car, but no, not really. That's an expense, right? Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I just, I was at uh, Columbia for graduate school. And so that was, nice. uh, you know, in the heart, like being in that kind of dichotomy of, oh, academia and then Harlem. Like right, <laughs> uh, you know, just make sure appreciate <laughs> the many ways to live your life. But uh, I, I love it. I, I need to visit again. I haven't been since 2018. I came down for the uh, Afropunk Festival. You ever been to that? No. They have it in Brooklyn. It's for alternative people of color, and it's it's yeah. so much fun. So um, I need to. I, I'll be there soon. I got some friends that are getting engaged, so I got weddings to go to. <laughs> So, you know, I'm up here in Rhode Island, the smallest state of the 50. Yeah. And when I went to Dallas that first time, that airport is enormous. It's its own, <laughs> it's its own city. Um, yes. There's like um, Dallas, Fort Worth, DFW Airport, Arlington. Like they're all mm. in the Metroplex. It's a yeah, city. it's like it had, it had a subway. <laughs> I'm like, there's a subway in the airport. <laughs> you know, so coming from small town Rhode Island, like, not not crazy. used to seeing stuff stuff like that. Not told you our whole state, top to bottom, is forty four miles. Yeah, that's literally the DFW. That's Plano yes. to my house in Oak Cliff. Yes. <laughs> where the uh, where the Cowboys practice in Al in a I think it's Fort uh, Frisco Frisco. They have a Frisco, practice facility yeah. that's just his own. We just practice here. It's just here, and then <laughs> they got the, they got a whole stadium. So probably that distance is where we're, the whole state. That's pretty cool. See the other the other thing too. Then, then we'll d dive into our main topic. Yeah. Was so I'm in the airport and I see tornado shelter. I was like, I've never been anywhere where I needed a tornado shelter. Like how how often does, does this happen? Like do I got to be on on the lookout for stuff? <laughs> it's not as bad as that makes it seem, but because it's so flat. You know, yes. the flatter it is, the more likely a tornado will hit. Mm. I'm like, again, in, in an urban area, so I don't see them very often. They're usually like okay. suburbs, 10, 15 miles away. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I will never not live in a city because of that. It's like, I've never seen a tornado. They've always been 20 miles away, so I'm going to hide in the concrete. That's yes. where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's not that bad. Maybe, maybe once every other year we get a, you know, a touchdown. Mm. We actually had two touchdowns in Rhode Island uh, two weeks ago. That, that's, that's rare. I think the last time it was maybe 15, 20, 20 years ago, I want to say. They were no, nowhere near, near me, but still. Yeah, still climate scary. change, man. It's, it's, it's freaky. We had a freeze in February. Like, 
freeze. Like right. everything was frozen and it was not even snowing in New York at the time. It was so strange. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that because I was supposed to have, have a guest from Texas and she had to cancel because they had no power or anything down there. Yeah, so I was, I was like, lucky. Okay. My, my very old home gas and, and electricity. I have solar panels too, so it just helped okay. keep my house alive and I had a lot of guests because of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive in. So how, how would you describe yourself? Well, if you couldn't tell, I love to laugh. I am a jokester. I am a goofy, uh, I always say comedian was would have been my other career if I didn't do what I chose to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm compassionate. I'm empathic. I feel way more feelings than I, I care to. And most of them are not mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> sarcastic, but only to drive a point home, not to ever hurt. I'm actually very direct and assertive. Um, I always say uh, out of love. Out of love. Yeah, I'm only going to say the truth out of love. Yes. Um, I love the energy of children. So I'm very, you know, I love, you know, I'm a nerd. I'll say that. So I'm passionate about the things that I like. That's how I describe nerdness. I'm, I'm very fashionable. So stylish yeah. nerd, but not a geek. Because a geek is a nerd without without swag. So that's yeah. um, I love that. I know way too much about a lot of things. <laughs> and that's... I'm proud of right that, right there. dramatic at times, but only, you know, when I'm performing. Um, yeah. And just, I have a lot of energy and then I don't at the same time. And because I have lupus, which it doesn't describe oh, who I am, but it's like, okay, I'm, I'm literally, I'm a Libra, which is great. It's like, okay, I'm constantly having to find balance mm. because, you know, I'm just set up that way. So goofy, nerdy scale. I guess that would be the three words. <laughs> <laughs> What's your definition of maturity? Um, being able to rise to an occasion um, and do so with grace. So without being complainative, but without also without bragging. You know, it's like I'm just doing the thing because I know how to do it. I have the skills to do it and I've got the experience to do it. And I'm not going to complain about it. And I'm not going to act like I'm the first person to ever have done it. Mm. So it's not a fun word, but <laughs> it's one that we seem to strive for, you know, not being immature about it. So it's kind of a neutral thing, honestly. Yeah. I always say, then this is my own personal definition. I want to have as much fun as possible, but know when to be serious. Yes. Yes. You know, that's what it boils down to. If I can have fun, I'm having fun. Mm -hmm. You know, there are just so many people that just take life so seriously. And it's mm. like at the end of the day, you don't get to take nothing with you. It's like, yes, yes, you can leave some things behind. You know, I get I get that. But none, none of this stuff is going with you. Right. <laughs> you know, so the legacy those, is. Those, those relationships, yes. And yeah, how do people it. remember you? Mm. They were such a serious person. I don't want them to say that about me at all. I agree with that. Oh God! They would never say say that about me. <laughs> like, like unless I'm helping someone create something, it's like, all right, listen, focus. Right, mm -hmm. this is what we got to work on. These are the steps, but but that's that knowing when to be serious. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it, I mean, well, that and my you know controlling my competitive spirit because I'm out for blood. It gets bad. I would never <laughs> want to go to arcade with you. I already see that. <laughs> we went a couple of my clients. We we went to this en entertainment facility, and they have you know trampolines and like Ninja Warrior course and stuff. And so so we're playing dodgeball. This little girl, she couldn't have been more than six. But she was on me. 
She was all over my case. It's like she was gunning for me. <laughs> and so I'm firing the balls back. And one of the girls like, Rock, they're like five. I was like, she I called me out. Okay, I say, I don't let kids win. Again. Damn right. I'm a therapist for children. I, I don't let kids win. They learn, you, you learn skills when you lose. Yes. And especially when you lose to me. Because <laughs> you're not going to forget. Yep, I'm 6'2", 185. This Versus person was like, like 45 pounds <laughs> with. She's like, right. I'm going to get you. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, are you? Hey, that's a fiery little girl. That's, that's, she's oh, gonna that's be a strong funny. woman. <laughs> so you mentioned being a being a comedian. Like, is that something that you wanted to be growing up at one point? Never in a serious way. I was. I did a lot of drama and acting and like writing when I was a little girl. Um, and I just I chose sports instead of like the dramatic arts once I got to like middle and high school. Uh, but I just love telling jokes. I just love making people laugh because it's like I got to laugh twice. Me and an empath, it's like you feel the energy. Yes. And then, you know, when you put out, you really you literally get back and then you get back whatever that person gives you. So I don't know. It's just all I've just I think it's the ADHD. I would just say the first thing that came to mind. No filter. You know, I've called people. I've asked people, does your mother know you're ugly? This was at like two. I'm like, wow, I was so tactless. God. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's gotten better over the years. So I, never I would never question anyone's mother. They don't understand. You know, they can't yeah. help how they look. And everybody's beautiful to me now. But I was yeah. a little bit of an a-hole as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like people who know me now think that I'm like super overconfident. And I'm <laughs> I might be, but 20 years ago, 25 mm. years ago, it was a whole different ball game. Right. <laughs> yeah, so you had to grow into that for sure. Yeah, so like yeah. I tell people, it's, it's different now. It's like now I have a confidence about me because at 47, I mean, I'm still strong. Like I'm still still fit, mm -hmm. but but the joints ain't 20-year-old joints yeah. anymore. You know, um, can't, can't um, jump the way I used to, not as mm -hmm. fast as I used to be. Especially if you're an athlete, wise, yeah. Yeah, so skill set wise, like I still play a lot of sports now. I play volleyball, basketball, track and field, and I compete in obstacle races. Mm -hmm. But it, it's just a little different, you know. Where the it's strategy like, is very important. Like I have to use the brain in conjunction with the body. Whereas again, yeah. twenty five years ago, I could just out talent you. It's all and muscle memory, right? And then use use the mouth to let you know I'm out talenting you. I was that guy. <laughs> That's all right. Again, maturity, right? Know what to have yeah. fun. Know what to be serious. That's yes. Cool. It's like my kids say it all, all the time, especially my oldest daughter. She's like, you talk so much trash. She's like, but I hate the fact that you can back it all up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. That cop was so. It's like, uh, yes. I'm going to dig at you, but you know, I love you still. <laughs> how, how would you describe your upbringing? Um, well, mostly single parent, but my father was present. Uh, we did like summers, kind of that thing. So mm -hmm. got to travel with him a lot. And then, you know, mom was the consistent one, but she was fun and she was a teacher. So, you know, very much about, you know, having those experiences, learning. So, you know, growing up in Oak Cliff, it's a lower middle class neighborhood. Uh, you know, there was a lot of crime because it was the 90s. Um and, but it was close knit until it wasn't. It was very, I, it's like I saw my neighborhood change. Like we knew everybody, everybody knew us. 
And then somewhere around the mid nineties, people started breaking into people's houses. Like, I know your grandma, dude. Like, why are you breaking into our house? Um, and like my cousin, like he got involved in stuff and it was just like, what, what's going on? Why are y'all losing your minds? And so then we moved to a different part of the area. Um, but my mom kept me busy. I, like I mentioned, I'm ADHD. So, you know, drama, sports, music, I did all of that stuff to just kind of stay busy so she could work longer hours and, you know, not have to worry about me needing childcare. Yeah. Um, I have an older brother, and so he was more of the academic. Um, so, you know, he did a lot of that kind of stuff, too. And I was just like, hey, I got a, I got a dance recital. I got choir. I got basketball. I got, you know, uh, I wrote a play. We're going to compete in this thing. I'm going to go speak here. So I loved my childhood because I got to explore all these interests and just kind of know I could do stuff without feeling like, you know, I wasn't trying to prove anything to anyone. Um, you know, sometimes he's like, oh, I was just trying to, you know, achieve for my parents. I was like, really? I was kind of just doing it for myself Um, (laughs) because they knew that I could do it. Um, I mean, I remember in kindergarten, I was like doing public speaking and everybody else was just like shaking in the corner. I'm like, can I just say their speech then if they don't want to go? Because I'll go. I'll go again. (laughs) Yeah. So fearlessness and, and exploration. And like I said, I would say some things to get out of trouble. Um, curiosity, just just all of the things that you really want your child to be about, you know, despite having to deal with financial stuff and, you know, mom not being able to do everything for me, but she did her best and she never made me feel like there was something wrong with me. Like I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD till I was an adult and caveat, I diagnosed myself when I was in college, you know, I was like, wait a minute, I'm learning this in psych 101, like that sounds <laughs> I, was, I did get in trouble a lot. Like, just it was a scary epiphany in the middle of Psych 101. Yeah. I'm like, do I tell somebody? What do I do with this? I just, I'm just gonna stuff this information down <laughs> until it's a problem. And then, oh, yeah, um, as an adult, I finally got an official diagnosis. But, but yeah, just not ever feeling like I didn't fit in because I just was me. I just fit in with all the groups. And so, if you didn't like me, okay. Like, Right. Um, so bullying wasn't a thing. And I was a like, I got a little chubby around like third grade. Uh, my dad remarried. I didn't take that well. Um, and so, um, but that's when I started playing sports and everything like that. So uh, to kind of counteract that. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I really enjoyed my childhood. And, and Dallas is a, it's a great place to raise kids because there's, there's all of the like arts and stuff like that, but it's not as it's not as obviously dangerous as some cities are, I guess. Mm. You just have to, you know, it really depends on where you live. We moved, what, three miles away, and then it was fine. <laughs> no more crime that I had to really deal with on a daily basis, so. Love it. All right, so you had mentioned, you know, doing things for for your parents or, or people are doing things for their parents. And what you're doing now as a counselor, how much stuff do, do you attribute back to childhood and parents' expectations? Well, I mean, like in the story you told that my, my origin story for the for the business is about my mom. It was grieving her loss. Um, mm. 2008, she, she'd been gone like two years and I was kind of on autopilot and um, she just was a very wise person. So she says, just do what you know how to do, baby. Like she would always say that, do what you know how to do. I'm like, mm. what do I know how to do? And then I would just do stuff. And so it was like, okay, I'm I'm this administrator for this nonprofit. We're doing well, but I don't get to see clients. I don't get to see kids. I don't get to see anybody. Like I'm just, you know, leading, which I love to do. But 
um, you know, people were like, I really just want to work with you. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But, you know, minimizing my skills. And I was like, you know what, let me see, I'm going to open this up and just see what happens. Um, but as far as like, my personal experiences, I, I believe in self-disclosure as a counselor. I know something we're taught, you know, you're supposed to be a blank slate. And I'm like, no, that's not my theory. Mm. It doesn't work with me culturally. And it just doesn't work with me personally. I want people to understand that I've been somewhere near where their shoes are. Maybe I'm not in them. <laughs> but yes. yeah, I've had an absentee parent. I've had step parent issues. I've had a sick parent. I've had to be a caregiver. I've had to grieve a parent. I've had to set boundaries with a parent. I've had to... um you know, have arguments and I've had to talk about parents' substance abuse. I've had to, I've dealt with a lot of things. I've dealt with not having enough and, you know, I've dealt with trying to forgive parents. So um, a lot of those personal experiences kind of the, the, the education helped me understand it on a psychological level, but being able to connect to a client so they don't feel like I'm talking from this ivory tower. Oh yes, I can understand why you're so hurt by that. It's like, no, I can understand Mm. why you're hurt by that and you have a right to be angry about it and you have a right to you know not feel guilty because you didn't do anything wrong you just you didn't ask to be here you're here and so there's a point in your life where someone else is responsible for that but now that you're responsible for what are you going to do about it exactly see and that's the key sentence you're responsible for it because mm -hmm. because now obviously i'm no i'm no counselor but <laughs> but i've been alive for seven years you know, it's like I've been alive for 47 years. You know, I, 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 bring, I bring some life experience to the table. For sure. And, and and what I do, even within the gym setting, I always say, like, I don't really call myself a fitness coach. I say I'm a personal development coach. Yeah. And, and I use fitness as the platform. So mm -hmm. as we're going through the workouts, like, I weave the intensity of the workout through a life lesson. Now, most, the majority of my clients are moms. Mm -hmm. And so... Now, am I a female? No. Do I know what women feel? Do I know how women process things? I mean, I know how they process things, but I mean, but I can't speak from experience. I that mm -hmm. I can speak from education. Yeah. But I am also I am a parent. I am your a parent to a female child. Yeah. Yes, and I am also a single parent. Mm -hmm. You know, so so like there's a lot of things that I can relate to, even though I'm a, I'm a, I'm a male. Because people were always like, you know, why don't you why don't you tailor your program towards men? I'm like, well, a men are a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's like I, I don't I don't know if I could deal with working with a client like myself. <laughs> I, I know I'm a lot. So. <laughs> right? I'm a handful. So <laughs> right, yeah. You no, know, but like I grew up with four sisters. Mm -hmm. I've always had a tight relationship with my mom. Spending all that time in the restaurants is eighty percent women working. So it's like I've I've heard a lot. I've seen a lot. I've mm -hmm. helped people through a lot. Yeah. And so once I started in fitness, you know, like mostly females were responding to my ads. So I just put put together a program for busy moms. Yeah. You know, and then some some people would come come in at first and be like, you know, because like they'd see me or like I'd do a women's empowerment meeting and people would walk in and be like, Why is he here? But then once I start talking though. You know, and this is going back to what you said about do what you know how to do. You know, and what I know how to do, like I said earlier, is I know how to connect with people. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I take the stories of my life and I connect them to you. So like someone could talk about going through childbirth. It's like I, I can't relate to you in that. Like mm -hmm. being being a trainer, I can tell you what you're gonna feel in every single stage of, of childbirth. 
but I never felt it. So mm -hmm. I can't relate to it. But I did have a devastating knee injury where I was told I would never run or jump again. Yeah. And that was a process. So as I tell that story and I talk about the different process, I can relate the processes to the stages of pregnancy. And now mm -hmm. I can relate to, okay. to her. You have some idea, right? And that's better yes. than none. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, see, and I just wanted to tie that in to do what you know how to do. What you know how to do. You know, so it's like, yeah, I can't feel being pregnant, but I, I went through something that was pretty crappy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life-changing <laughs> medical thing, okay? Yeah, so like I just wanted to highlight what you were saying, but but say like, yeah, you have your education, mm -hmm. but that is that life experience is what makes people lean in for sure. And I I get, I mean, uh, recently I've kind of added the empath thing to my marketing only because I just keep getting them, and I know I'm one. The I know I'm, yeah, I, and I I come from a long line of you know just highly spiritual, highly self-aware. I call, I think I'm more claircognizant. Like I would just mm. say what people are thinking. Like I, I was, you know, the third eye is very open. Like, oh yeah. And this, 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 and this was like, yes, exactly. Um, and so instead of just kind of like surprising people when they meet me, it's like, look, you know, I might be able to read you pretty well. So don't be afraid <laughs> in that first session, but also like letting people that are, have been sensitive and called sensitive all their life. And these are badasses. Like they're getting things done. They have high power careers and all this stuff. But it's like this emotional side of them they have to like suppress. But it's like you're a you're a portal. Like it's you're just an open channel, and it's learning how to create those boundaries and really embrace the power that comes from knowing how you feel and knowing how others feel. Um, and I, I can just see the change in so many of my clients of like, yeah, you know, that wasn't even my stuff. And so people are like, are you sure you're an empath? I'm like, yeah, I did. I cried a whole lot when I was younger because because of, of that. But now. I know me. I know what my voice sounds like and what my pain feels like. And so it's like, okay, that's your pain. And I can sit with you in it and let it pass through me. And it, it will it won't overwhelm you because you're you're sharing that energy. That's a lot of energy when you're going through something emotional. So I can definitely relate to like, hey, education, but also, you know, there's just certain things that you have to embrace about yourself. But like you said, I'm you, you're a competitive person. You embrace that and, and use, again, even your title. I love this. I was like, oh, I love this. Yes, <laughs> because it's it's a part of, you know, who you are and what you can give to people. Yes, absolutely. And so you had just mentioned about knowing how others feel. So remember, I may have mentioned earlier that 20, 25 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, I could have been more on the cocky side versus mm -hmm. confident side. Yeah. You know? Again, people that know me now would, would argue, but I'm definitely way more team now than I was a couple of decades <laughs> ago. Way more team. But um, what the uh, what the turning point was for me in dealing with people was I became I became a, a restaurant general manager at a very young age. It was like mm -hmm. 19, 19 going on twenty. Oh wow! And, and I was actually a supervisor at fifteen. So it's like I was always in this leadership position, but working with people like twice as old as me. You know, sometimes three times as old as me. Mm -hmm. so, I was, so I was like, you know what? To be taken serious, I got to puff up the chest and yeah. I got to put the bass in my voice, you know, just let them know I ain't playing, you right. know? And, yeah. and, but, but then I would just, I just took it over the top, just yeah. thinking that's what I have to be to be taken seriously. You know, mm -hmm. I got these people who are older than my parents that I'm managing, yeah. you know? And, and so this was in 1994. Okay. My, my director of operations sits me down and he's like, Rob, he's like, talent level 
off the charts, dependability off the charts, you know, and he's just going through all the good stuff. Like somewhere in there, I know it's coming. coming. He's doing too many compliments in a row. Like something else is coming. And so he's like, but your ceiling for growth is going to be low because of the way you talk to people. And I was like, all right, there it is. I think I was 24, no, 94, I was 20. 20. And so, so I was like, all right. So now we're going to fast forward to 2007. Okay. I was working, I was working, I was the general manager of a, of a buffet in a casino here in Rhode Island. Okay. Now there was 2,500 employees. And so I got picked one of, one of 25 to go through the service training. Okay. And, and as part of the service training, we went through personality training. So I'm sure mm-hmm. you know Myers-Briggs, this. Yeah, all, so, all the types. Yes. Yeah, so mine was True Colors, which was in between Myers-Briggs and DISC. Okay. Was, was True Colors. So like it, it's the same stuff, just a different format. Mm-hmm. And, but, but going through that, you know, going back to knowing how others feel, like I find when there's conflict, and then you, you can obviously speak deeper in, in, into this in a second, is that in conflict, people are, people are so gung-ho for you to know how I feel versus me understanding what you feel. And then going through that true colors assessment, like it tells you each color strengths and their stressors. Right. You know, so, so taking that someone who's been called sensitive their whole life, like my oldest daughter, she's, she's, she's a feeler. You know, that's mm-hmm. just how it is. Like she's a feeler. And, and I keep, keep telling her like, there's nothing wrong with you. That that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm super boisterous. That's who I am. Women have tried to tone me down for my entire life. And that's why I'm single now, because I'm going to be me. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to be toned down. Like, this Mm -hmm. is me. And that is you. And so, like, understanding that greatly enhanced my ability to connect with people. So, So when you're working with clients, like, what are the biggest things you see? Well, like you were saying, you know, people... They it's it's people people fight, especially couples, because they want to either be right or be heard. Mm. And I know we've all heard of uh, you know, cubbies seek first to understand them being understood. Like that's that's what makes sense to me. Like, yeah. let me understand you. But what the, what gets in the way is people have that fear because there's so many times where they were not listened to. Yeah. Um, and they weren't validated and they weren't said, yes, what you feel is okay doesn't mean you have to do anything with those feelings. Like, just because you're mad doesn't mean you have to go punch somebody in the face. But let's just acknowledge that you're mad. Because yeah. the anger is going to stay there until you do something with it. Um, and, like, even for you, just saying, like, people have tried to tone you down. And it's like, why? What is wrong with you being this big personality? Yeah. I and attracted like, you being me. Exactly. <laughs> oh, shut up. Yes. Don't shut up. I tell my clients all the time, I'm a, I'm a, I am not nice. I have never been nice. I told you at two, I was calling people ugly. Like that was me. <laughs> now with tact and lots of <laughs> learning, yeah. uh, I'm a kind person, and kindness is always about intentionalness and being, you know, authentic to yourself and being who you know to be. And if something is not okay with me, I'm gonna say no. I'm not going to do something for you and expect anything in return. I'm doing it because I want to. And if you give me something in return, cool. But if I'm being nice, I can't expect anything. Niceness is, to me, it's stupid, honestly. And if you look at the origin of it, you go back, you know, a couple of hundred years. That's what the French thought it was, too. 
but you know, doing something that's obligatory. And when we're obliged to do something, how does that make us feel? Mm. Ugh, I don't yeah. like that. I want to do it because I want to do it. And uh, so, yeah, I see people really trying to downplay their strengths and not seeing their strength as strength, seeing that their strengths as a problem for someone else. So now it's not a strength anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use positive psychology a lot. So I look at values and strengths. Those are like, you know, two of our greatest assets. What do you believe is important in life? If you don't have any values or any sense of your values, you're going to be lost. If you don't see your strengths as strengths, you're going to be lost. Um, so, yeah, I see that you've embraced your strengths. You took, you know, took constructive feedback and allowed yourself to grow. But then also trying to accept that just some people aren't there yet. And it kind of goes back to our maturity conversation, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> they can't just accept things as they are. You know, and there's nothing wrong with where you, with who you are. That that's a that's one of the biggest things I tell people. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? You know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> yes. Like, it's not. Like, <laughs> feeling guilty, like I just, you know, I just don't want to burden you. I'm like, number one, it's my job. Number two, it's my job. Like, yeah. And if I were a friend to you, how is that a burden? Who said that I have to take responsibility for your feelings? I just have to feel mm-hmm. them with you and let you know they're okay. Um. Something I always tell the counselors I train is that like you're we're supposed to be a mirror and there's all kinds of mirrors. Right. I mean, you look at mirrors all the time in your work. So you got the ones that are flattering. You got the ones that are not flattering. And you got the ones that really, you know, you have to really look close or or clean up a little bit. So sometimes, you know, being a reflection, it doesn't always mean it's going to be exact, but it is going to be what you need to see. You know, that's why the mirrors in the dressing room look that way. Like they want you to look as bad as possible because you take this home. You can't be bringing it back because <laughs> you knew you looked bad when you left here. You know, <laughs> I love that. I love that. You said, you know, what you need to see. So like when I'm when I'm working with my clients, I tell them, said I always say the second money exchanges hands, I go to work for you. Like to, to get you to the goal that you told me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we sat down and you said, I, I am here because X, Y, Z. So it's my job to take your words and push you using your own words. Mm-hmm. And so like when new people join and they're like, just so you know, if you have to ask him a question, brace for the answer. Because <laughs> like like you were saying about not being nice, like in that moment, my job is to get you to a place like I'm not going to be a jerk about it, no. but I'm, but I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. Yeah. So, and it may hurt. And that's the part yes. I want people to be OK with, too. Like pain is a part of life. Mm-hmm. We've like taken a lot of time trying to avoid pain. And it's like that. That's how you get addiction, honestly, is the avoidance of pain a lot of the time, whether yeah. versus going through it and seeing what's on the other side of it. Yeah, it's like when people tell me, I've tried every diet out there. I'm like, what you just told me is that you've quit everyone out there. It's like, that's that's what I heard. <laughs> you know? so, and, yeah. and, and that's that's the harsh reality. Yeah. You know, like, when, like when people come to me, because like I help people overcome the fear of public speaking also. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I, keep, I keep telling them, said, you have, you do not have the fear of public speaking. Like it's a fallacy. Like I don't care if there's, what's it called? Glossophobia or something. That yeah. I don't care if there's an actual name for it. It's a fallacy. Because if you go to see a movie, I guarantee you can get in front of your friends and tell them about that movie. I said, because you are comfortable with the content. I said, right now, you don't know what parts of your life you're comfortable sharing or that, you know, it's appropriate to share. So mm-hmm. I, I help you take those stories. We extract the teachable moments. 
mm-hmm. and we we put them in, into a format to where you can do a keynote presentation, you can write write a blog, you can get on podcasts and shit, share your story. I said once you do that and you know what to say and you're comfortable with saying it, you can now go out and speak. You know, exactly. but to just say, oh, it's in the genes, like I'll never be able to do it. Like that's right. that's a fallacy. It's, like, it's, the action it's like itself is not what you fear. It's yes. it's the judgment of the people receiving the message, like you said, and you not being comfortable with what you have to say. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's never about the thing. It's always about the, the aftermath of the thing. Yeah, it's like when I tell people, you know, I'm a single pa- parent of five kids. They just naturally think it's like, all right, he must have five different mothers and and he's got um, $2,000 a month of child support and blah, blah, blah. It's like, um, I had custody of the two oldest. Both. Yeah. I had 50-50 with the, my younger three's mom. We got mm-hmm. 50-50. Like, to see him all the time. We'd settled out of court. It's like, I'm not that dude. <laughs> you know, but but like when I say it, because I always see people's initial expressions. Mm-hmm. But 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 I love to just go deeper into the story. Yeah, you, you walk know? right through the judgment and give yes. them the truth. Say, hey, okay, this is what you're assuming. Mm-hmm. Let me make an ass out of you, not me. So <laughs> <laughs> you exactly. what's actually happening here. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man. But that's so, great. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that like I like that you embrace your uh role as a father. Like that that's something that I see has changed in, in masculinity in the last, you know, 30 years is that, oh yeah, like just like moms are mothers, dads can be fathers, men can be fathers, yes. and and it not not make them less of who they are. Yeah, like I said a couple show, shows ago when, when we were talking about about when women say, I don't want to be known as just a mom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just a mom? It's like, that's, the, that's one of the most amazing things you will ever accomplish on this mm-hmm. earth. You is growing, housing, and growing <laughs> a human being, yes. and going through the pains of labor, and yes. going through all those sleepless nights, and raising another, you know, contributing member of society. I don't care what you hit in your business. There's nothing more incredible than that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so like when you yes. say, just, even on my, in, no. even on my no. intro video, the first slide said father. Mm-hmm. Before anything else, that was that first slide. Yeah. You know, because if stuff hits the fan, I'm going to grab my kids and make sure we all get to safety. I'm not going to be packing up my computer and my green screen so I can do my next podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. It's like, like exactly. grand scheme of things, everything that I do is so I can leave something for them. Right. You know, when my time is up, one, one of the, out of the five of them, one of them's got to be able to pick up the reins and go. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you've taught so, them enough lessons to where whoever they were supposed to be, they're going to be as close as possible. Exactly. That's that's the value of a, a healthy parent is not that they represent you well; they represent themselves well because of who you were to them. Yeah, so I want to get I want to get your opinion on this. This is you know I'm I'm an author ish, so like I'm about about halfway through my book, so like author-ish. in the process of authoring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is a this is a clip from the book. Okay. Said, said you weren't born to simply exist and then die. Each one of us were born with a unique skill set, with a unique perspective on life, and without interference from others, we would naturally become who we were meant to be. What do you? What, what are your professional thoughts on that? I would add. A, I would add a caveat for the interference. Mm-hmm. It needs to be without negative interference. Yes. Because yes. we do need community to develop. Um, yeah. I, I do trauma work. And one of the things I learned 
back in Columbia. Plug mm. my school because I sell the money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that, you know, a lot of people's resilience does not come from their, you know, intelligence or their, you know, um, pleasability, like that they're, they're ple people pleasers. It's because yes. they've had at least four solid, consistent adult relationships at some point in their development mm. that helps counteract you know, the things that they've gone through. And it doesn't necessarily be their parents. And so it's like, whether it's, okay, yeah, your home life was crap, but you had, you played sports and you have four great coaches from Kent Elementary School all the way to high school. That's going to take you further than just surviving that household, you know? Yeah, true. Um, or yeah, the kids that I, I used to work with, uh, I did community-based mental health for, for uh, kids and teens. And so there were some kids when I was able to take on clients, you know, I'm going to their home every week. I'm there with their parents, helping their parents. And it's like, okay, I always thought about that. I'm like, okay, I gotta be one of those relationships. Even if I might work with them for six months. Yeah. I want them to remember that, oh yeah, that lady, even though I remember my name, you know, <laughs> miss is usually what they say here in the South. <laughs> oh, come on, miss. I'm like, mm, Tiffany, like say the rest. <laughs> um, but yeah, like being a person that they can remember, cared about them and saw their potential. So, yeah, I think I love the quote. It's just making sure that people understand you do want to let people in. You want to be yeah. vulnerable and have those relationships where people can see your vulnerabilities so they can help nurture those. It's, mm. it's just the fact that it's only negative when they try to take advantage of or, you know, negative, negatively motivate you. You know, should you should all over you, as I say, yeah. um, when it's not like I just don't understand it when people are like, you know, I just I got I got to show them how the world's going to treat them. No, you don't. The world will treat them that way. Mm -hmm. You need to show them how to deal with it after it happens because they've got to go. There through. it is. They got to go through it. Yeah. <laughs> or exactly. they're going to be able to handle it on their own. Yep. I told my oldest daughter before she went to college, we went for, for a walk around the local park here. And I told mm -hmm. her, I was like, listen, I said, you are a mixed race woman. Mm -hmm. I said, and the outside world might have opinions about that. But you know what? We don't care about their opinions. I said, you got goals, you got dreams, and you're going to make them happen. It's up to you to navigate whatever life throws at you. Mm -hmm. I said, that, that's on you. I said, we don't play the, the excuse game. We don't, we don't do that. I was like, whatever pops in your path, you find a way through it, around it, or under it. I said, but don't let anything stop you. I said, you know, I said, success is like this. Mm -hmm. I said, there, there is no straight line. Like everything that I started didn't just go smoothly. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I had had the pivot, like the destination never changed, but the angle to get there, you might have the path to path on the map changes different. day yes. by day. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Like and I that's the message when I speak in schools. I give that I give that message. And I let the kids know, like I don't care who you are, where, where you're from, what you believe in, what you look like. None of that stuff matters. I said you're going to get judged on something mm -hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't matter who you are. Somebody's got something to say about you. Right. <laughs> you know, I said, so you just got to develop that thick skin, get that resilience mm -hmm. and just stay focused on your prize. Right. You know? Just by saying that you become one of those positive interferences yes. in their life. And, you know, that's why you have such a big personality. So it's part like you, like you're saying, every, unique skills, like you have it because in the right situations where people are going to, eh, nope, I'm pulling you yeah. in, yeah. shaking it in you, like you got to do this. And I see that you have the ability because again, being seen, because I, I really think people fight because they want to be right, be heard and be seen. 
Yeah. You know, that's the part that I think is missing. That's somebody else's theory. So that's why it's not complete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, being seen is so important because, you know, this reality thing is kind of crazy. And, you know, we got this big, juicy muscle in our head telling us what to do and being grounded in, you know, I, I'm a spiritual person. It's like, you know, you have this spirit in you and then you've got this brain and this body and you're trying to make these things all connect. And, we really aren't taught how to do that. I'm glad that, you know, mindfulness and like the way fitness is going now where it's like brain body connection. Like you have to breathe through. That's yes. how you know you're alive because that air is going through your body. And so, mm -hmm. so yeah, being able to, to, to impart wisdom, even if it's just one speech, you just never know how you impact somebody's life. And so being fully present when you do that just increases your chances of making a difference. Yes. And so per perfect example of this was I was volunteering with an after school program at a local middle school here. Mm -hmm. And I walk into the program and the director is like, see that one over there? He's a, he's a problem. And I was like, why? And she's like, she just like, oh, just starts giving some some reasons. I'm like, all right. I said, so when we break off into groups, I said, put him into my group. And so he's a migrant. He's trying to act all tough, all slouching in the chair and stuff. Yeah. And these middle school kids are. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I was like, uh, sit up, you know, number one. And then I just started asking him questions. And so, like, as he's answering, I'm like, he just doesn't like to be told what to do. I said, so, <laughs> so neither do I. So, so I'm like, I can, you know, that's why I work, I work by myself. I class with every supervisor I've ever had. <laughs> right. So, and so it's like, you know what? So when, when we did the first activity, I was like, all right, I want you to work with these two, come up with an idea. And, you know, just gave him a task and he did it. He did it beautifully. Mm -hmm. And then we split off into sports and we played basketball. I said, all right, so I'm going to captain this team. You're the captain of that team. You figure out who's playing where and blah, blah. And he did, did amazing. Yeah. You know, so it's like I went back to the director and I was like, he's not a problem. I said, he's bored. I said, I feel if you got him more involved, he would be a strong ally for you because I empowered him and he was my right hand man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I said, so rather than just giving up on the kid because you can't get through to him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I said, so, so instead of you writing the day's activities on the board, make it his job, you know, and have him come up and do that. When you have to pass out papers, let him pass out the papers. Like, I feel mm -hmm. if you got him more involved with the program, he would be more receptive. Like, I've said on many shows that, that we do on education, like, that's my biggest knock on the educational system is that you're trying to teach all the kids one way, but not everybody receives information the same way. That's why I dropped out of college three times. I couldn't I couldn't do it. But, the way but, they want I, you to do it. but I traveled the country to masterminds and workshops and I hired business coaches for, for various things and I got my education in a different way. Yes, uh, yes. Like I, I may not have a degree with my name on it, but most of my clients have them. <laughs> Again, it's it's kind of sad to say as someone who's gone to school way too much, like those are my favorite people, like people that are self-taught. Because yes. the reason I only reason I got through was because I learned on my own. I'm gonna I'm gonna come and show up here because I paid to be here. But I will also go to sleep because ADHD brain says, oh, we're powering now. We don't need this. Like, wait, no, I need I need this. Nope, we're going to sleep. <laughs> so like, you know, fighting the, my, my love hate with education. It's not that I don't like learning. I don't like the way they structure learning and the way they're not yeah. 
giving you variety. Yeah, so I agree, totally, totally agree. Like, yes. you know, it was designed to create factory workers, not not entrepreneurs, not exactly. thinkers, not philosophers. That wasn't designed for, you know, the masses. Um, yes. Not even about, you know, minority, like, well, not minority, I don't say that, but people yes. of color, it's not even about color, it's class. It's, yes. you know, trying to keep the system the same way. Agreed. I actually turned down the speaking gig because of that. There's a local uh, vocational school here mm -hmm. about 20 minutes away. And so, like, you know, what I'm talking back and forth with, with the vice principal. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can talk on, you know, confidence and when I'll throw And I said, and I, and I can also show them that they can make money with the smartphones. And she mm -hmm. was like, oh, uh, we don't we don't want to talk about that. And I was like, why? And, and she said, well, you know, we want our students to either go into the workforce or into like a trade school. I said, but you don't want to let them know that there's another way. It's like mm -hmm. they can take their skills. I mean, maybe you have someone who wanted to be an actor or actress or something, and they can take their skills and start a YouTube channel. You know, it's like that's just letting them know there's another way. They have options. And, and she was like, no. She's like, we can talk about the other stuff, but we're going to have to leave that part out. I said, then I'm not going to speak there then. That's fine. I was yeah, like, no. that's not right. Because, yeah, you're limiting them for no reason but to get your goals accomplished. And the whole point of education, I thought was to empower. Exactly. And, it, and it's, you know. So yeah, no, I think it's 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 it takes more initiative, it takes more drive to find it for yourself. Um, you know, yeah, the whole application process and all that. I mean, I I I don't have a PhD because I didn't get accepted to the programs I mm -hmm. and I interviewed with, you know, we had these group interviews and it just felt like I was a spectacle. They just couldn't believe my resume. Are you sure? I'm just like, okay. And of course, again, my empath abilities. I'm like, I know you're not gonna let me into school. So I don't know why you're asking me all these questions. Like I'm real, I'm a real person and I did all these things. And if you don't think you're worthy of teaching me, then fine, you're not. Mm -hmm. um, but that was, you know, that was a big loss that I had to take on. And so I haven't tried to pursue a doctorate yet. I was like, you know what? I, somebody give me one honorarily because I've had enough education. I want to just <laughs> no be a successful businesswoman and be able to help people live their purpose and be as close to their purpose as they can. And so, so yeah, I definitely have a love-hate relationship with it. Um, you know, Columbia was, it was a great experience, but it was, it was traumatic. It really was because, yeah. you know, academia at that level, you just see everything. You can't unsee it. And so, you know, Columbia I, is Ivy League, right? Yeah, technically. <laughs> yeah, it's very Ivy, you know, Ivory is really what it is. You know? <laughs> but, uh, I did have some amazing, like the school I was at was like a little subversive bubble. Uh, along with a couple of other grad schools uh, within the big community. I mean, we were there during the um, when Black Lives Matter research surged in about 2014. Oh, yeah. yep. And I mean, we protested often uh, through the library in front of this, you know, that statue that's at Columbia, the lady holding. Oh, it. yeah. Yep. You know, we did a die in there and marched, you know, because they were they were moving people around that were actually supportive to the students of color. They were like, no, you can't fire them. Sorry. You, nope. Mm -hmm. We're not going to let you do that. So I was there at a great time. Um, I only you know that because I ran a track meet there. Yeah. Columbia. Yeah. The, 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 you've been on the campus. You got to pass alma mater. <laughs> yeah. The, the original alma mater, right? Um, I call it alma. That's my girl. You know, you just walk by, hey, have a girl. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's it's just amazing how all these experiences create people and how in every part of your story you change. 
I think that's something I like to tell clients too. Like with grief, I work with grief and I'm like, oh, yeah. you're grieving different things as you grieve a person. Like my own personal grief with my mom, every year was a different part of our relationship. I've been five years now and I've never felt as peaceful about things as I have, but I had peace at every step, but then also a lot of pain and all the like, wow, she really did a lot of stuff. Just like the, you just realize over and over and over, like who that person was to you. And yeah. a lot of people don't give themselves that, that space to do that. They try to shut it up and shut it off. Yes. And those things you have to just live through. So you, you got to step into the memory. Cause like I lost my, my yeah. father two years ago mm-hmm. and it, it was seven days before Thanksgiving. So like, mm-hmm. you know, every Thanksgiving just hits a little, little Definitely. different. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, we, we knew we were going to lose them. So it's like, we weren't blindsided. So mm-hmm. for me personally, you know, like my, my siblings took it, took it re- really hard. Like I'm, I'm the youngest of seven, mm-hmm. you know, so like, you know, they took it really hard, especially one of my, well, my oldest brother, he, he took it really, really hard, mm-hmm. but, but I, but I just stepped back and just went to a place of gratitude, Yeah, you know, cause like so many people, they don't have their dad. Like I, I had him for 45 years, It's amazing. You know, 45 years. And, you know, he, he moved like, kind of how you did with your, your family. Like he moved us out of a bad situation in New York City and moved us up here to Rhode Island, you know, to, to give us a be- better life and give us better schooling, better mm-hmm. opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, and he was always there. You know, he was at every, every you know, p- uh, poetry speaking contest. He was yes. at all the track meets, basketball games. You know, he, w- he was there for all of that stuff. Yeah. You know? so, so it's like, none of us are getting out alive, you know? So at some point we're going to, we're going to be losing people. The secret's out, right? right. Yes, yes. You know, this so, it's, so this I race just, does have an end at some point. Yeah. So I just took it as, you know what? It's, it's his turn. Yeah. You know, it's his turn. He raised the seven of us. He was with my mom for over 50 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, they, they hit a lot of milestones. He, he went from, from the inner city in New York to, Rural, almost two acres of land in rural Rhode Island. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, like he just created a, a whole. He, yeah, he did a lot of a lot of good life for himself and for his family. That's amazing. That's amazing. yeah, you know. So like in those final right. moments, and, and, like, like, I like you said, I like what you said. That story, sitting in the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like just sitting there. It's like okay, yeah, it sucks to to, to lose him in person, but like he left a lot behind. You know, so so that I can talk about him and not break down. It's like, do I have moments? Yeah, I have moments. You know, like a Smokey yeah, Robinson sure. song will come on, and I can picture him in his rocking chair, drinking his Colt Forty Five. You know, just, <laughs> just singing out the Smokey Robinson. You know. Oh yes. Like, yeah. So like, I just yeah. lean into those positive, me- uh, positive memories, and that's one of the biggest things when I'm helping people create their stories is overcoming the the loss of a loved one. Yeah, that's you know, great. You know, I, I love how I love when people can take their grief story and, and use it to empower others. And I was gonna say, like, like you said, you you did your first Thanksgiving with your daughter. Like starting new traditions is a part of that mourning process, like being able to acknowledge what the tradition was and having the courage to to start anew and create something new and memories for the people that are still here. So good yeah. kudos to you, because yeah. Yeah, I've done I've done a spread before. It's no it's no joke. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm settling now into the like I, I I'm the visiting aunt until I have my own brew. I'm, I'm the visiting aunt, and I will yeah. have a dish for you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so let's let's talk about about your your business in these last few minutes here, and mm-hmm. like what you, what you do. How can people find you? 
Okay, well, uh, on Epiphany Lane is the big business, it's the LLC. And so that's where my professional training, speaking and clinical supervision kind of houses. I, I do customized trainings for, you know, nonprofits, small businesses that want to either increase leadership skills, want to, you know, uh, increase ethics, uh, do, you know, decrease burnout or prevent burnout, which also requires consultation. I consult with the business like, hey, these are some structures you can change so that your client, your staff don't burn out so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also do clinical training for counselors and, and social workers on, uh, you know, couples counseling. Um, I do a lot of stuff on anxiety and depression. And I'm, I'm going to get into more uh, work with interracial couples. I, I They just find me. My sister's husband is, is Hispanic and has been in my life all my life. Like that's the closest I've been, but they just they keep coming. So I'm going to keep working with them, but helping them navigate kind of the uh, the racial barriers that happen and, and really how do you show racialized empathy for your partner so that um, that doesn't become the reason you have conflict. It's really just you as the humans you are that uh, your relationship can grow from. And then Epiphany Lane Counseling, of course, is the counseling practice. That's the flagship business. And I see uh, people from eight to about 65, usually is where people just stop trying to see me. Um, And I will help them with anxiety, depression, trauma, grief, uh, life transitions, do some career counseling within that, um, and just help people achieve a sense of power, peace, and joy. Those are the three emotion, emotional groups that I'm wanting them to get to. Like, you know, yeah, you may be anxious, but that just means you're on your way to peace. You may be angry, that's so you're on your way to power. And you may be depressed, but that means you are right around the corner from joy. Um, and then my third business is uh, the shop on Epiphany Lane. It's a self-care boutique. So this is just a way for me to get some of my creative ideas out where, okay, if I think about Christmas, uh, what are some different self-care things that I could do around the holidays that aren't necessarily all the traditions, all the things? Oh, you know what? I can have a minty bath bomb or I can, you know, uh, have my brunch outside with my stainless steel champagne glass. So if I drop it, I won't break it. You know, so I try to think about just creative ways for people to engage with themselves so that they uh, have a sense of power, peace and joy in their lives. So those are my pieces. Love it. Awesome. And I want to just touch on one last thing that you said about, you know, me taking the loss of my father and using it to inspire others. Like that's what I try to implore with people going through grief or some type type of trauma. Cause I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times now about the teachable moments, mm-hmm. you know, cause like, it's not about what happened to you. It's like, what about that experience can you extract and help someone else? You know, because in because I always say, and that will help you heal. And now I can't say that on the record because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I don't have the credentials. You know, <laughs> but but so you How have you, you have the credentials, right? Yeah, so so am I on point there? Because you're I'm you're you're to... right on track. You're right on track. Like we can use everything, and all trauma is is an interruption in the in the pattern of the way you think. And once you examine it you know, take, take the edges off what's in there, get it in. It's usually a much smaller thing. And it's, you get that lesson and lesson just becomes a part of you. And it, it, yeah. it doesn't, it's not this one thing I have to avoid. It's part of who I am. I survived yeah. this and I'm thriving because of this. Uh, so no, I think you're right on track. You know, you're not violating any uh, ethical yeah. rules. I think you know, <laughs> you that they're healing and that they're growing is, is, you know, I think that's free. You don't have to have any degrees or, or licenses for that. So I think that's great that you're able to to empower people in that way and use who you are to do it. Like, 
That's yes. what I'm all about. Epiphany Lane came from, my name is Tiffany. My name means Epiphany. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't want to just put my name on it because what if I want to sell it one day? Like I'm thinking like this. And so <laughs> I would never want to sell it. And, but Epiphanies are, I just have these aha moments all the time and it drives me nuts. And I'm in the session like, well, I have this Epiphany. <sighs> They're <laughs> just like, okay, Tiffany, it's great. I'm like, but I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> See, that's that that's that abstract mind mind of yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it I got one of them too. Yeah, yeah. it all connects. <laughs> yes. It, it's so true too. And and this is why I like like how I start the shows with just asking those what people think are random questions, but they act they tie in. You know, oh, yeah. so it's like once we get to the end of the story, it's like I go back to the things I wrote down that, that you said earlier. I'm like, it all makes sense. Like all of it, yeah. <laughs> you know, so typically we end up doing what we wanted to do back then. It might look a little different. Yeah. Because you know? like with, with me, I wanted to be a performer. I was like, you know, I got the big personality. You know, I'm not afraid of embarrassment or anything. And so it's like I want to just get out and I just want to motivate people. I want to talk to people. Like I want people to pay money and come see me yes, <laughs> yes. It's like that's what i want and i'm in the ballpark now you know so like with the podcast i said this what i'm really doing with this i'm connecting with others because like mm -hmm. i have i have people i'm going to connect you with as well mm -hmm. you know so it's like every every guest that i have on you know these questions i ask also also is what direction can i send them in after this mm -hmm. you know so like it's not just about come come on my show help me now get <laughs> you know, so, so it's like I have many other people who, who do who do shows and I have a couple that do radio shows that I can connect you with. Mm -hmm. And and like it, it just it just goes goes around, goes around. And like yeah. yes, yesterday I spoke on a Thanksgiving Day panel because you know, I was on this woman's show, but I keep filtering her people, you know, so like people that come in. So she's like, Rob, you want to be on this panel? I'm like yes, I do. Of course, and I do. another former former guest, same thing. I've got her. I mean, I didn't get her, but I connected her with probably about a good do dozen other other shows. And mm -hmm. so now she needs a speaker. Guess what she thought of? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So like, Connections. it's a, yeah, yeah. a two way street. <laughs> right. Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell in his in that book. Uh, what was it called? Tipping point. That was one of those things mm -hmm. that makes a difference, and that's a gift that some people have is being a connector. I can definitely relate. Yeah. To to being a connector and just like man, these two things connect. Let me connect yes. them. So yeah, I would you exactly. know, man, you put me in the in the the wheel. I, my dream was always to be a talking head in a in the in a square. When, yeah. when I figured out what CNN was, like yeah, just put me in a square. I'm good. Um, <laughs> so I get to do this when I'm doing podcasts, especially those that are uh, videotaped. Yeah. Um, and just being able to share whatever I have, I got a lot of stuff in this noggin, and it got to get out somehow. So. I say the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> I got so much stuff swirling. And I was like, oh, I forgot we have that in common. Youngest child syndrome. It's like, yes, y'all lived all the fear that we didn't have to. So I'm gonna be yep. afraid of like, yeah, me. <laughs> see, and that's what drove my competitive spirit too. Because mm -hmm. I mean, we were all athletes, including oh, my yes. parents. Wow. So, so I went too. Oh goodness. So yeah. I went I'm probably about a good 15 years of being so and so's younger brother. Yeah. <laughs> and so like when I got my first headlines in the paper, I like cried. Yeah. <laughs> I was me, like, I, I was me. like, finally. <laughs> finally, right. I'm Robert Foster. Just <laughs> my own self. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, and that's a part of the story too, it. right? Fighting yeah. to 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 get your own individuality. That, that's dope. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I remember my brother used to walk around with his triple jump record on his t-shirt and 
and I had my own book, and I write 42 <laughs> circled it. I'm like, I will smash that. You want to advertise? Okay. okay. I was like, which I did by three feet. Yeah. I was like, whatever you do, I will take it down. That's, that's a beautiful thing. That's going to keep you young for a long time. Yes. Yeah. I, I told my kids, I said, just so you guys know, I'm going to suck as an old person. I said, I said, because at some point I'm going to lose my athletic ability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, at some point. You're, you're going to have that mind. Keep that mind sharp. Oh, yeah. You know, it just turns into Scrabble. It just turns into, you know, taboo. Yes. It yes. turns into that heads up game. That's all. That's yeah, all. So I had three knees. So I've had seven surgeries all together, but I had three on, on my knees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my my uh my daughter was like, "What are you gonna do if you end up in a wheelchair?" I'm like, "Sister, this wheelchair Olympics. That's a I whole said, new ball game." <laughs> yep, I like this wheelchair yeah. Olympics. I'll be all, mm, "Let's go!" <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll be playing competitive chess, competitive Uno. I'll be There's the World Series of Poker. Say. It's like I got options. Right, right. That's right. The world is not stop. That is so funny. Oh, it's been a great conversation. Yeah, Robert, I've enjoyed it. I've I've been looking forward to it. I'm like, how is this post-Thanksgiving talk going to go? Let's see. (laughs) Don't see, but it it was wonderful. I I really like your approach of, like, getting to know the person through the story. Yes. Uh, And, you know, because resumes are there, you know. I'm on LinkedIn, Tiffany Lindley. You can find me if you want to know what I've done. Um, (laughs) And follow me if you can do that, right? Don't just talk to me. Um, So true. Yes, all about relatability. Like you, you were saying earlier, well, I said it earlier about, you know, you ask people to describe themselves and they give you their resume. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. no, no, I want to know you. Like, what makes you tick? So, like, when people hear my background, shut up and grind, decide. Shut up and grind makes more sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. when pe- people get how I operate, like, oh, okay. And, and I didn't even really share any of my backstories with you, like overcoming the knee injury or donating the kidney to my sister yeah. or being told as a freshman by the track coach, you don't have what it takes to be a track and field. No, uh, he said, you don't have what it takes to be a high jumper. Oh. I held I held that high jump record for 22 years. <laughs> they had to bring a whole new. They had to right. birth a whole new generation of human to meet you. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. Uh, they surely can't be a millennial because they don't be don't be something else. <laughs> and you know, and you know, you know, it's funny. The kid was an African immigrant. So, uh, so I said, from this I said, y'all couldn't even find anybody homegrown to beat me. You can't push the wrong person. <laughs> So I also do an all-star panel. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the next one's coming up in December, which I, I have a slot open. If, if the date works for you, I'll let you know. Okay, yeah, please yeah, let me know. Yeah, be interested because you're you're in the scope of what that episode's going to be about. Mm-hmm. And uh, these panels have been fired too, I got to say. Yeah. And behind the scenes where some of us were trying to come up with like, take it and turn it into a program. Mm-hmm. You know that we can we can char- charge for take people through and just help them reach a certain a be, certain I'd goal. I'd love so, to be a part of that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Like uh, you can go back into my my archives mm-hmm. and and watch one of the other two. Okay, like, I mean okay. all of them were all of them were fire. Like personality wise, I think that second group was just a little kinda, bit more cohesive. Kind of set the set the bar. It's like just the six people I grouped 
Jets, like all of us have like over the top personalities. So <laughs> that show was just like, damn. <laughs> like, yeah, all, yeah, all of them just, were good. It just hit different. You that, know? Yeah, exactly. That one just <laughs> hit a little different. <laughs> so yeah. it's good stuff. All right. So we're gonna break break it down. Um give us give us a final word. Well, um, let's see. I guess the last thing I would love to say to your audience, you know, as far as like the power lot lying in your story is that your story is not an accident. It's not necessarily all your fault. You do have some responsibility in it, but as long as you're accountable for it, you can do with it whatever you want to. That story can take you as far as you want to go, but don't allow the things you couldn't control keep you from the things you can't control because you, you have a lot of power in this life and you know it's not it's finite though you know all things are finite and so being able to recognize that now is the time that's why you have the revelations aha now go you know it's all for you to keep moving forward and then rest too don't forget rest rest is a part of the journey too um just seeing where you are and reflecting is so important to be able to use that energy in the way it's supposed to. Love it. Well done. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. Uh, don't sign off yet because I want to talk, talk you back backstage real quick. Okay. All right. And so this was Tiffany. And if you happen to tune in late, make sure you go back and watch the whole thing. We had a hell of a conversation. <laughs> this, was, this was good stuff. Really, yeah. really good stuff. And uh, that's all I got. So for me, I'll be back with the taste Friday, right? Yeah, so I'll be back on Tuesday. We'll be tackling another topic with another guest, and we'll be getting that backstory all to help you. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years' experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time.